Welcome to Eagle Brook Church Online. I am so glad that you have tuned in today. Over the past couple of weeks, we have been doing a collection of relationship talks uh, called Drive Through Love, looking at some restaurant slogans. Uh, week one, we did Burger King, Have It Your Way. Jason's message was awesome, and it was all about how we can improve our relationships. Week two, John did a fantastic job. We looked at White Castle's slogan of... Um, what you crave, and it was all about uh, expectations and how to, how to manage those uh, appropriately. And this week, I, I thought we could do something a little bit different because uh, this, this is a special service where you actually have chosen an option of, of what message you want to hear. I actually wrote two messages this weekend because what we realize about helping people with relationship challenges are the challenges that somebody that is single, divorced, or in a complicated Zoom relationship have are vastly different than uh, the challenges that married people have. So we thought it would be fun for one weekend, since we're here online, to actually allow you to choose your own message. So uh, today, if you're watching this message right now, you have selected the single message, okay? This message is tailored for you in your season. Now, here's what I know about being single. Being single is hard when you're 16, 25, 32, or 56. The first hard part of being single is knowing where to look. I mean, there's so much to think about when making the first move. You see somebody at school, at work, at the gym, the grocery store. Maybe you see somebody at church. Okay, please don't watch somebody worship, okay? That's weird. Stop it, okay? But whenever you find someone interesting, you immediately go into investigation mode. You look them up on social media, their account's private. You have some praying to do. Do you risk adding them so they now know you're intrigued? Or do you look for other ways to connect? In 2020, you would most likely slide into a DM. Now, if you don't know what sliding into a DM is, let me explain. DM stands for direct message, okay? There are many forms of this on various social media outlets, okay? This is usually the first point of contact. I recently had a friend ask me, if he thought it was okay to slide into a DM on LinkedIn, okay, which is a social media outlet that is a lot more professional. I responded, listen, man, I haven't slid into a DM in about 12 years. And at that point, I think it was called MySpace, okay? For those of you that don't know what MySpace was, okay, MySpace was a social media website where people clicked on your profile and music immediately played. I have no idea what we were doing with our lives, but it's what we had then. Meeting someone uh, at church is complicated because if it doesn't work out, now I gotta go sit on the other side of the auditorium or go to a whole new campus. And now more than half of all marriages come together due to meeting online or through a dating app. I mean, the options, I feel like they grow daily. You got Hinge, you got Bumble, you got Tinder, Match.com, ChristianMingle.com, eHarmony. Uh, FarmersOnly.com, BlackPeopleMeet.com. Come on, there, there's something out there for everyone. Through a series of algorithms and connecting people through common interests, hobbies, religion, and preferences, these apps and websites do their best to allow people to shoot their shot. 
If you don't know what shoot their shot means, shoot their shot is another 2020 dating phrase for someone getting over their pride and fear to pursue someone they're interested in. Through all of this, there is also the fear of getting ghosted. You don't know what ghosted means. Ghosted is where someone is corresponding with you back and forth, and then all of a sudden, they just stop. I can see someone at home right now writing this down in their Bible. Intrigued, okay, slide into their DM, shoot my shot, don't get ghosted. Okay, what's next? The second hard part about being single and you're looking for love is what to look for. When I hear what guys are looking for and what girls are looking for and their mates, I hear a complicated Starbucks drink order that we want freaky fast. In fact... <laughs> Today's message is called Freaky Fast, Freaky Good, based off of our, our favorite Jimmy John's. Now, whenever you hear uh, an order that you want Freaky Fast, Freaky Good, and let's just say uh, you're ordering a sandwich, you, you go, all right, I want this, uh, let me get that Italian sub, or hold the mayo, okay, I, I just want grilled onions, okay, I want this, I want that, and, and it's, this, it's this order, and it's like, off. The, you ever go out to eat with those people? where they always order off the menu stuff. It's like, they ain't even got that on the menu, but you always want a super, super special. And that's somehow, sometimes what it sounds like when I hear what men and women are looking for in each other. And, and for the ladies, it's, I want him to be educated, 6'4", make six figures, emotionally engaged, romantic, love my friends, my mom, dogs, listen to country music and worship music on the weekend. I'd also like him to read my mind and know what I want without having to tell him. And for men, it's like, I want her to do CrossFit, be a great cook, brunette, have rich parents, love the outdoors, lead a Beth Moore Bible study, have an Enneagram 9 personality type, and love sports. I'm like, bro, she got to flip tires to win your heart, bro? I read a stat that was very interesting. And here's what it says. It says, 95% of men are looking for what only 5% of women actually look like. And to contrast it, 95% of women are looking for what only 5% of men earn financially. <laughs> so it leaves women feeling like they'll never be pretty enough. And men feeling like they'll never be successful enough to be loved. Whatever your expectation is for the person you hope to be with someday, we all have to ask ourselves this question. Where in the world did these expectations come from. One, social media. We'll actually scroll to a couple's vacation photo and think to ourselves, hashtag relationship goals. When that's only a depiction of two days of their 365 in a year. Uh, we also get our expectations from family. Some of us are simply looking for whatever our family would accept. Another Another thing that steers what we look for is past relationships. <laughs> you know, some people make relationship decisions by simply going for the exact opposite of whatever they had last. <laughs> Movies, TV, I mean, Netflix, Aladdin. There's, there's no magic carpet, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Grey's Anatomy, The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Did you know? that uh, The Bachelor has been airing for 23 seasons now since 2002. Only two couples from the show are still together. Meanwhile, out of 15 seasons of The Bachelorette since 2003, six of the couples are still together. Now, here's the deal. 
I'm not trying to bash the show. In fact, I have a friend who was on the show. But the greatest relationship in the world is one you never watch on TV. My wife and I received a phone call from a producer who heard um, about our surprise wedding story and inquired about doing a reality TV show. They asked us if we ever fought over a language barrier. It's like, no. I, I said, I think we both speak English, fine. They wanted to know if we've ever called the cops on each other or had a blow up in the airport while traveling. The more we talked, the more disinterested they became with us because our actual relationship wasn't must-see TV. Healthy relationships don't boost TV ratings. Where else do we get our expectations for love? Music? Oh, I remember, I remember growing up singing Usher, getting ready, talking about some, I need a bad girl. Yeah, I need a bad girl. Like, what in the world? And then I went out with a bad girl and then got a bad result and was like shocked, like, I can't believe she would act like that. It's like, Ryan, do you know what you said you wanted? Now, <laughs> we got girls on the internet talking about some, I'm a savage. You a what? A savage, classy, bougie, ratchet, sassy, moody, nasty, what? Acting stupid, what's happening? Listen, here's the deal. I have never in my life sat with a man of God who said, I want to be with somebody who's moody. I definitely ain't never sat with nobody talking about some, they want to be with somebody that's nasty. But yet, I know it's, it's, it's a fun song, but I mean, when you really start to think about it, we got to start asking ourselves some questions. What are the words that are coming out of our mouth that are shaping who we're becoming and what we're looking for? I have have friends who will actually admit to me that they're actually looking and attracted to bad boys and bad girls. They want to have a good time until the bad boy cheats on her, until the bad girl steals his jewelry when he isn't looking. And then they're shocked, saying, I, I can't believe they would do something like that. You knew they were bad when you, before you got dressed. Sometimes we want to make bad relationship decisions and expect godly results. It's insanity to do things our way and then have the nerve to get mad at God for it falling apart. My heart breaks for so many people that want to get relationships right, but often don't know exactly what to look for. We don't have to take our cues from entertainment avenues. We can let entertainment avenues entertain and let God's word direct our steps. Today, I want to give you five things to look for when dating. Five things to look for when dating. Number one, someone who's going in the same spiritual direction. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says this, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? I want you to see uh, this picture. This is actually a picture of what a yoke actually looks like. A yoke is a wooden bar that, that joins two oxen to each other, and they, they pull a burden together. 
okay? An unequally yoked team has one that's a stronger ox and one weaker, or one that's taller or one shorter. The weaker or shorter ox would walk slower than the taller, stronger one, causing the load to do this. Go around in circles. When oxen are unequally yoked, they cannot perform the task set before them. Instead of working together, they're at odds with one another. An oxen can break its neck being connected to the wrong oxen. And you can break your heart being connected to the wrong man or the wrong woman going in a different direction than you. Nobody wants to be in a relationship where they are simply going in circles. I've had a front row seat to seeing couples go on and off in a relationship every three months. Sometimes your friends can't even keep up with when you're dating and when you're not. You have to sneak around when you want to get back with them because you're embarrassed. Your friends might say something if they knew you were back with him or her. I mean, ultimately, how do you know if you're in an unequally yoked relationship? Some people use verbiage around uh, deciphering whether or not someone is on their level spiritually. I'm not really sure what that means. I mean, how would you measure levels? Bible verses memorized? Number of podcasts listened to weekly? Do they know the lyrics of Waymaker and the Blessing? Here's a verse that I believe can bring some clarity to this. It says this in Matthew chapter 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I think the first thing you have to ask yourself is this. Where have I put God on my list of priorities? The second question you have to ask yourself is this. Where have they put God on their list of priorities? Is God second on your list and eighth on theirs or not at all? Then you're going to run into trouble. And you might need to have a serious conversation about the direction of your lives and the direction of your relationship. The relationships that are going to thrive the most are the ones that put God first. If you want to be with someone who puts God first, you have to be a person that puts God first. <laughs> I have this friend who told me he wants to be with a praying woman like his mom and grandma. I said, do you want to be a praying man? By my estimation, a praying woman is probably going to want to be with a praying man. Man, at some point we have to ask ourselves, are we expecting something from them that we're not expecting from ourselves? Number two, second thing to look for, someone who has accountability. I love these verses, one's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. All over Proverbs 12 says, it says, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Does this person have good friends in their life that keep them accountable? Do they have a small group of people that are helping them grow in their relationship with Christ? Do you? One of the most important conversations you can have with someone you were dating, thinking about dating, is what your physical and sexual boundaries are going to be in that relationship. Listen, I know it's 2020, and everyone has sort of developed their own truth about sex, 
But if you consider yourself a, a follower of Christ, then you should be a person that takes scripture seriously. First Corinthians chapter six says this. It says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Some people want to do whatever they feel like doing with whoever they feel like doing it with, whenever they feel like doing it, and call that freedom. But the people who live with that mentality usually end up in prison, right? Do whatever I want. It's not a good way to live. What Paul knew about sin is that it starts off making you believe you're in control, but one day you wake up and find yourself mastered by something that started off as something that wasn't a big deal. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, says, flee from sexual immorality. In the New Testament, the word often, most often translated for sexual immorality is porneia. And porneia is a surrendering of sexual purity. It's a selling off, okay? It's actually the word where we get pornography from as well. It's, it's a selling off of, of who I am. You don't want to sell it to just anybody. You want to sell it to somebody you're in covenant with. Paul is encouraging us. Like, think like a dad, okay? He's going, leave from this. Not let's see how close we can get before we feel guilty. His encouragement is running away from it as fast as you possibly can. When you read the whole chapter, it doesn't have the tone of a judge pointing his finger at you because of what you've done wrong. 1 Corinthians 6 has one of a father who's watched too many people's lives derailed from having sex with someone they weren't married to. Statistics say that Young men are introduced to pornography at the average age of 12 years old. By the time they turn 25, they're trying to have a real-life relationship with secret fantasy expectations that their mate can never live up to. And I've heard, oh, it's not that big of a deal. You're old school. Sex is just physical. It's just a magazine. It's just an online deal. I just... I just want to have fun. You can watch a show on Netflix and see two people having sex and think to yourself, I want that. But here's what they never show you on the show. Here's what they would never put in writing. The shame that comes with it. I'll never forget being on the phone with my friend when he found out he gave a girl an STD. And he was driving to a pharmacy to get meds for her. Here's the deal. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but you want to say that's not a big deal? And I would never call that fun. I can't tell you how many people have called me in the middle of the night to tell me their shame story. I can't tell you how many people have called me with, to share their struggle with pornography. And what breaks my heart is the amount of insecurity and guilt and shame they have to live with. And what the Apostle Paul and myself, I'm imploring you to do today is to flee from the thing that is bringing you the most shame. This is not to put a message, this is not a message that says, hey, you know what? We're trying to put shame on you. It's not shame on you. It's shame off you. I don't want to see your heart broken another day of your life. 
And I want you to have a story that you're not ashamed to tell. One day, you're going to tell your full story to someone you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And when you do, I want that to be a story you don't have to lie about. You might think it's too late for you because you're no longer a virgin. But can you imagine what it would look like for you to make a decision today, to put a stake in the ground, where you make a decision to wait for your spouse to have sex again? Your story then would be, I had some days and some nights in my life where I made some decisions that I wish I could get back. But then there was one day I made a better decision to remain abstinent for you. I've been asked, should I date someone who's not a virgin or someone who's addicted to pornography? My response is often, how much accountability do they have? Accountability tells me that this person, they're not perfect, but it does tell me that they're committed to giving their relationships their best shot. I think you should date someone who puts God first and has enough accountability to help them grow. A person who has made some mistakes that has surrendered their life to Christ headed in the right direction is someone worth getting a meal with. Here's the third thing that I think that we should look for. Someone you don't have to pretend with. Romans 12 verse 10 says this. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Other versions say, let love be genuine. You want to be in a relationship where you can be your true self. It's easy, especially in 2020 nowadays, to have a disparity between your offline and online personality more than ever. It's sad that we've created ways to hide our flaws instead of embracing our flaws and giving grace to others. It's a sad day when men and women look at their profiles and feel like they can't compete but will try anyway. How many friends do we have that will embellish their posts and profiles to make themselves more appealing to date? Let me ask you this. How awesome would it be if you didn't have to do that? Uh, when describing what dating is like lately, uh, one friend said this. They said, how much do I have to change to be somebody you love? I've watched men and women change what sports teams they cheer for to get someone to like them. I mean, they bought a jersey and everything. Some people have made so many adjustments to be somebody who, to be the person somebody else wanted them to be. And guess what? Their plan worked. That person fell in love with them. The only problem now is they have to decide if they want to spend the rest of their life pretending to be that person. Do they fully embrace the part because now they're an actor? Or do they go through a season of disappointment, but at least someone now has the opportunity to love the real them? The number one thing I felt about my wife, Amanda, when we were dating was that I felt at home with her. I felt like I could be the most authentic version of myself without judgment. My wife challenges me to grow, but isn't trying to change who I am as a person. You don't want to be in a relationship where you feel the pressure to be someone and you, and, and, and you don't want to be in a relationship where you're putting pressure on them to be someone they're not. Don't fall for the eventually they'll change trap. Maya Angelou says it best. 
If someone shows you who they are, believe them. Um, the fourth thing that I think that you should look for when looking today is someone who's not looking for you to complete them. I think we can sometimes do a disservice to people who are single as if their lives are somehow less than or something's missing in their lives or it's broken and needs fixing and won't be made right until they're married. That is a bunch of baloney. Here's what John 10, 10 says. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There's no asterisk here. Okay, you're not going to have a full life when you get married or have kids. I want to encourage everyone watching today's message with this. A full life is available to you regardless of your relationship status or season of life. When our lives are surrendered to God, we can enjoy whatever season he has us in. The question we have to continually ask ourselves is whether or not we've invited God to the season we're currently in. Here's the number one expectation people have that when they're dating that they would never say out loud. I expect you to make me happy. Yeah, I expect you to make me happy. We won't say it out loud, but it's true, isn't it? I want you to make me happy. Most people size up a potential mate with a happiness measuring stick. I'm not sure this is good news or bad news for you, but here's the truth. Nobody can make you happy. Here's why. Humans make great mates, but they are horrible gods. Horrible gods. You're not looking for a better half. You're looking for another whole person who isn't waiting for you to date them before they start living and enjoying a full life. Lastly, number five, someone you can see submitting to and serving. Here is the biblical picture of marriage. Ephesians 5 says, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25 says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a picture of a wife submitting to her husband and a husband laying down his life for his wife. It's hard for both. It's often hard for a woman to submit to a man. It's also hard for a man to lay down what matters to him for a woman. But when they both do it together, it's easier for the other person. It's easier for a man to lay down his life for a woman who respects him enough to submit to him. It's easier for a woman to submit to and respect a man who's willing to lay down his life for her. It's a picture of two people submitting to and serving each other. My wife and I are uh, originally from the Chicagoland area. Uh, one of my favorite restaurants there is Portillo's. There's actually two in, in the Twin Cities, one in, uh, in Maple Grove, another one uh, by the Rosedale Mall. The fact that I know where both Portillo's are in the MSP is sad, but hey, that just shows you how much I love it. So um, it was me and my wife's, I think, uh, fourth or fifth date, something like that. And I picked her up from her house. I had a playlist ready in the car. And uh, we parked a few blocks from Portillo's. And uh, we start walking towards the restaurant. And we hadn't fully engaged in, in the, 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 you know, the hand-holding yet, you know. And when you're testing those waters, you're just kind of like, you know, dang, like you're dangling keys. You know what I'm saying? You just kind of put, you just kind of just, you know, just kind of put your hand by it and just see if she grabs it. You know, you're kind of doing that. But look, like we are on cloud nine. Okay, the butterflies were there. And I was thinking to myself, 
I'm walking downtown Chicago with the girl of my dreams about to eat my favorite food. This is amazing. We get in line, and I say, girl, get whatever you want because I'm balling, right? I can afford a hot dog at this point in my life. Okay, I'm like, get, get whatever you want. She says, okay. So I, I go first. I order three hot dogs, a large fry, a Sprite, and a chocolate cake shake. Okay, I'm throwing down. She needs to know what she's getting into, okay? It's her turn. She comes with the... I'll have a grilled chicken sandwich and a water. I said, you, you, you don't want no fries, something to drink? She says, um, no, I'm, I'm okay. I said, you sure? She said, yeah, I'm good. I said, uh, so you, you don't want nothing else? No, I'm good. You already know where this story's going, okay? We sit down. She grabs my large fry and dumps it into the middle of the table. I said, um... What's this? What, 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 what's going on here? She says, uh, we, I thought we could share your fries. I said, the devil is a lie. Listen, I got up and went and bought uh, her own individual fry and dumped it on there and said, these are yours, okay? Listen, I was so perturbed, I called my mentor and said, hey, man, I don't know if this is going to work. And he said, Ryan, you have to learn to share your fries. This June, me and my wife are going to be celebrating seven years of marriage and you know, it's so funny. Over the past seven years, my mentor will call me every now and then and say, hey, Ryan, how are you doing sharing your fries? Inevitably, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody that's going to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to lay down what I want, and I'm going to submit it. And there's, it's this back and forth. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to be with somebody you can see yourself submitting to and serving for the rest of your life. The thing you might... Lay down for them could be a large fry. <laughs> Sometimes it could be a career. Here's what I want everyone to prayerfully consider during the season. Fellas, there may be a godly woman in your life that you need to ask out on a date. Okay? Now, I, we don't know if, if, what, what your rules are. You sheltered in place or you're not. Hey, uh, DoorDash and Zoom for now, my man. Okay? But be clear about your intentions. Call it a date. Not a, uh, you want to uh, hang or something. You want to drink coffee together. No, like, call it a date, okay? Now, ladies, there may be a godly man in your life that you need to say yes to. It's free food and Zoom. You may have a million reasons to say no. No, I'm not attracted. He's previously married, not tall enough, hates dogs. But if that is a godly man who's got God first in his life, he's worth one DoorDash and Zoom right now. And hey, if it starts going really bad, unplug your computer and let your computer just die. Okay, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there may be someone you need to break up with. They're not going in the same direction at all. And you know it. You don't want to spend the rest of your life making excuses for them. Again, prayerfully consider what you need to do next. You might need to take a break from dating altogether for six months because it's been toxic for you. You've tried every app. You've, you've dated 30 people. It's just maybe you just need to take a break. You, you might be in a season you're like, man, no, no one ever asked me out. You have no idea how much that might just be God's amazing mercy and grace on your life right now.
of what he is keeping you from and saving you from. Believe you me, I have heard the stories. Whatever your next move is, as a single person, I hope and pray it's directed by God Almighty. And I pray that as you navigate this season of your life, you continue to live a very full life God has designed for you. And as you're looking, as you're dating, I pray that you would invite God on those dates. I pray that you would invite God to the very season that you find yourself in right now. That you wouldn't fall prey to just going, all right, I need something freaky fast, freaky. I, just, I want it my way. I want to have this life right here, Lord. And, and here's, here's my list. No, no, no. Are you putting God first? Are they? We, we can't expect in someone else what we're not willing to do ourselves. That's my hope and that's my prayer. God, I thank you so much for every single person that's watching this message. God, as, as they looked for someone to date, God, I pray that they would have a godly set of principles that is guiding them in the right direction. God, I pray that they would not set themselves up for heartbreak. I pray, God, that you would set them up to be in godly relationships that end up in an Ephesians type of marriage where they're serving and submitting to one another, not using a verse to weaponize it to, against someone else. No, Lord, I pray that they would be in a relationship that looks like the relationships that you've designed in Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Eagle Brook Church Online. Join us next week as we continue Drive Through Love, this collection of relationship talks. Have a great week.